This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. everybody. It's Linda Hall, your co-host with 19 Cats and Counting. When a celebrity kitty wants to make a food line, where does he start? With his vet, of course. Gotta find out about all that nutrition. And we have a celebrity vet on with us today. So as soon as we get back from this ad, we will fill you in and let you know all the details. We'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to 19 Cats and Counting. I am your co-host, Linda Hall, and I am here with my better half, uh, Rita Reimer. Make it sound like we're married or something. Uh, My husband says you're my work wife. I don't know why this would shock you, but yeah. I think he's trying to share the duty of maintaining Linda Hall. Mostly just my emotions and mood. He knows I need you for venting, but (laughs) vice versa, vice versa. I'm here with Dexter, who is really your cat. Since you came to visit, he fell in love with you, but he lives here with me. My husband will leave me if I bring a 12 cat into the house. I know. But but otherwise, I would have brought Dexter home in a heartbeat. I I know you would have. I know. I love that cat. But we have... Such an yes. exciting guest today. Tell me who we're talking with. Dr. Katja Lang. Everybody, I'm sure, knows celebrity chef Bobby Flay. Right. He has two Maine Coons, and his orange Maine Coon Nacho decided that we needed to make a better food. So made by Nacho it was. And, Dexter. of course, we got to include the vet in this. So welcome, Dr. Lang. How oh. are you? Thank you. This is so exciting. I'm so happy to be here and be talking to you guys. Oh, we're, we're so excited. excited. Thank you for you. doing it. Yes. Yes. So How, I guess oh, I was just you can start. Linda. We're so excited to talk to you. We're going to overrun each other. <laughs> How long have you been Nacho's vet? So at least five years. I kind of, I stopped, I stopped counting, but um, yeah, at least five or six years he's been coming and he's been bringing the cats to our hospital heart of Chelsea since they are both kittens. So I've known them for a long time. Um, and yeah, since they were very, very little and not, and now they're very 
not so little. <laughs> uh, I know. We we saw him in the press junket. He's huge and gorgeous. Yeah. And I just wanted to reach through the screen and touch that fur and play with the fluff. Well, <laughs> we love all cats, but we have a special love for orange kitties. I have two. Linda has three. Yeah. Yeah. I have an yeah. orange girl, which I understand is uh, pretty rare. Very rare. Yes, very rare. Yeah, most oranges are boys, right? Yes. So how did you get involved with the Made by Nacho line? Well, I mean, it started with just my relationship being, you know, being the vet for Stella and Nacho and just kind of getting to know them, getting to know Bobby. And obviously their health is, you know, a huge priority right. uh, for him. So, I mean, our relationship goes, you know, way back before Made by Nacho was even a thing. And so, you know, he was, you know, any question he had, you know, he always came to me and, um, you know, always like there, you know, what can I feed them? And, you know, going back and forth about, you know, what we can pick that's going to be the healthiest diet for them. And then about two years ago, we kind of started chatting and he was like, I'd love to hear what you think, like what's important to you as a vet to see, you know, in, in cat food. And I think what I said is going to be so different than what consumers and cat owners think, because I see kind of the other side of it, I'm seeing the medical side. And so I think it was really, really important to them to get from the very beginning, I was like this, you know, these things are really important, we absolutely need to include that. So then when they started, again, coming up with recipes, they took into account the things that I thought right. were important medically, and then kind of bridged it with let's make something that's really tasty, which is also really hard because you guys have cats. Just because yes. you know your cat is hungry doesn't mean it's going to eat something. Yes, yes. Thank you for saying that. They're not like dogs that will eventually eat when they're hungry. Cats don't do that. I, exactly. Yes. And what one cat likes, or even what they like today, may not be what they like today. Then they turn up their nose. And I'm like, no, you love this. Eat Very it. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, yeah. I open this whole can and you're not going to even like, yep, not today. So cats are, I mean, they're very, very unique. And it was just, it's been really fun kind of, you know, from the beginning coming up with this again, really with Nacho and right. he's been the taste tester and you know, Stella on the That's side. Stella too, right? Oh, yes. Let's not forget poor Stella. Poor Stella gets no, <laughs> no light shined on her, but I'm sure she was taste testing and, and a part of the process. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how it started. And yeah, I mean, there was a lot of conversations back and forth. And then once it actually like came to life, they were like, do you want to work together? Do you want to be part of this? And then, of course I did. You know, I felt like we had kind of helped build the ideas together and it's a great brand. So I'm just excited to be a part of it and telling people about it. It's amazing. We get a lot of questions about food, a lot of questions about yeah. food. And when I first got my first cat, I learned always look for protein as the first ingredient. This is the, so, okay. But then through time, other things have come up. This causes this and this. Then one of Rita's cats was diabetic and they were like, no, wheat gluten, get the wheat gluten out. And so right. I look at my food, which I thought was good. Nope. So it's, it's been such an experience and there are 8 million foods out there. So I know it's a broad subject, but what do we really need in our cat food and what do we really need to avoid in our cat food? Yeah. And I think we're constantly learning and, you know, what we thought, I think it's hard to say this is a hundred percent what's right because we are constantly 
changing what we know. And so what we recommended 10 years ago is different than what we're recommending now. Not everything, of course, but yes. you know, something that we thought was really beneficial, we may learn it's not. So I think just kind of knowing that the research is changing and we're learning more. So we have to just listen to not like the trends, but kind of being aware of talking to your vet and, and learning things. And until a few years ago, we didn't realize grain-free was bad and now we know it's bad. And we weren't even, you know, as a vet, I wasn't advising people, hey, grain-free is bad and now I am. So I think we are constantly learning, but to kind of answer your question about what's really important. And I I don't think certain, some things are staples and they're not going to change in terms of what's important for cats. And what you started to say is protein. Is protein the highest thing on the ingredient list that is very, very important. I mean, cats are carnivores. They're not very different than dogs, very different than other species. And that means they get all of their nutritional requirements from from protein. And cats are very unique in the reasons why they need protein and why these other ingredients are not great for them. But it comes down to stop me if it gets if this gets boring. You're good. No. No, I'm eating no. it out. Man, we need this. We need no, this. I do, I do have a question, though. Now, since cats are obligate carnivores, why is grain-free now found to be bad for them? So it's a hard answer because even though we've been studying it for three years, we still don't have an answer to the exact culprit. Is it the lack of greens or is it the ingredients that they're putting in to replace the greens? Because they're not just taking them out and saying, right. hey, this is just a protein diet. Now we're replacing some of those you know, greens with peas and sweet potatoes and chickpeas. And so it's not a one for one. So, and, you know, even with, you know, there's been a ton of research that's happened in the last few years, we still don't know what the actual reason is. And so my personal opinion is some greens are fine. A lot of greens are, are definitely not fine for cats, but most of the diets that, you know, affected dogs, and we did have some cats that were affected too, were the ones that had a high level of legumes and other starches in it. So it has to, you know, I think some sort of balance between these ingredients, not allowing the proteins to be absorbed well is what I think we'll probably end up learning. So some, yeah, so not like a simple, we just need this one level to be met. Okay. But I think, again, we are constantly learning and we're at, you know, and a lot of things with, with pet foods follow human trends because people, you know, your consumers, we're hearing what's good for us. And then we assume that, okay, this is what's good for my pet. Sometimes that's true. And sometimes that's not. I think this was one of the things where it was just not good. I'm taking a veterinarian level nutrition course right now online. And one of the first things that it said is, you know, all advertising and all those extraneous ingredients are put in there to appeal to humans and cats don't really need them. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. very true. And I mean, it's hard because I mean, you need to appeal to the consumer. So you have to do, you know, I think that's where I mean, my nacho is unique because it's formulated really specifically for cats, but with the nutrition in mind in terms of like the medical knowledge behind it and then the palatability behind it, which I don't think we think about as, as much, but we know, I mean, you said like my cat eats one thing one day and not the other. They may right. not like the kibble is in a triangle and not in a square and then that's yes. it's the same over. Oh, I know. I have have 19 cats and I have eight pallets of this one particular food, eight 24 packs, because they all suddenly decided at the same time they hate it. We don't like it. So I know eventually I can put it back into rotation and it's been a while they'll eat it. 
but it just has to sit there for now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm glad you said about the protein because I'm telling you lately, if I had a nickel for every email to <gasps> me that yes. starts with my vegan cat, dot, dot, mm. dot, and I keep responding, your cat is not a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, Linda's on Quora also. So she's one of the cat experts on Quora. Yeah. So a lot of the questions there, I'm surprised how many people write in and say their cats are vegan. And I My know that's not cat. good. And I, yeah, yeah. I, I understand people's reasons. I understand humans becoming vegan and I, and I understand the conviction behind that and why, but you can't impose that on your cat, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And kind of what I was saying before, like the, this is where we get into the science and it gets a little boring, but I think it's so important to understand because they just like, if you understand the reasoning, you'll be like, okay, that makes sense. My cat actually can't digest and take, get the nutrients from these things. So mm -hmm. their intestinal tract is much shorter than a dog's and right. eggs and a, you know, so they, you know, they only have so much length to absorb things. And so that's why they don't <gasps> digest carbohydrates well. And then the second thing is, you know, in humans and in dogs, you have amylase in your saliva and cats don't have that. So they, they don't start breaking down carbohydrates in their mouth, like most other animals. And then in their pancreas, they do have a little bit of this enzyme, but it's, I mean, they maybe have 5% versus a dog that has a hundred percent of that level their body does not digest it. So if we give a cat too much carbohydrates, not that it's going to be bad, but they're going to get overweight. They're not going to get the nutrients that they need. Is it going to be like, you know, harmful and toxic? No, but again, their body is just not, it's not built to digest it well. And so we, you know, we see the problems secondary to that. Oh yeah. I used to own just for cats pet sitting and I had a cat sit client way back. The husband even had written a book about how to feed your cats a vegetarian diet. And they had this gray, gloopy, gloppy stuff that they put together. <laughs> I don't even know what it was. And the cats were always starving because they weren't getting complete nutrition, except one cat had some kind of special medical issue. And so I had to feed that cat in the bathroom. That cat got to eat irregular meat cat food. The three that got the vegan diet, none of them live past seven. I mean, they need it. They can't like one more thing boring and then I won't, I won't. No, please. It's not boring at it's all. It's not. But yeah, so cats, you know, have, they don't have certain enzymes, which again is another thing that makes them unique. And that's why you can't just make a dog food and then make it for cats. Sure. So you, you have to make sure there's certain ingredients. And if you are on a vegan diet, they're not going, they're not going to get it. You have all these different building blocks. Your body can convert one amino acid to another. There's in cats, they lack certain enzymes, so they can't do that. And it just stops. And they, you know, and then if they don't have taurine, which, you know, you may have heard of because of the heart issue. And so if they're on a all fish diet, if they're on a all vegan diet, they're not going to get the taurine level they need and they could become blind. Their heart could fail. Again, it's very, very serious. You need these things to, you know, not even to be healthy, but to really That's live. Right to survive. And so, yeah, I think it's just so important for cats specifically. I mean, if a dog client comes in and they're like, I'm cooking for my dog, I'm like, okay, try this. But cats, you just can't, you can't do it. It's way too hard unless you have, you're doing it with like a nutritionist guidance to possibly formulate a diet that's going to get all of their nutritional needs met. You have to add taurine in and yeah, it's still. Yeah. We had a pet sick client that fed the raw diet. Okay. But it, they didn't feed the commercial raw diet. They fed actually raw chicken breasts. So gross. 
And I had to put in every meal these different additives to make sure they had what they needed. But you know, what do you think about the, the raw diet? Is there any benefits? Is there a right or wrong way to do it? Or is it just not good? You know, as a general rule, I'm not a big proponent of raw diets. I've had some cats that had like chronic GI issues and we tried them on a raw diet and they did well. And, you know, again, exceptions to the rule. But I mean, if you follow FDA recalls, it's mostly raw diets that are getting recalled for salmonella and campylobacter and all of these other bacteria that can be, I mean, dangerous to your pets, but also dangerous to you. I mean, if you handle the food, if it sits on a plate, if it's raw, it's not that it's always going to be contaminated, but the risk is much, much higher. And so I just don't think that, yes, there are some benefits. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say, you know, there are no benefits, but I don't think the, yeah, I don't think the benefits outweigh the, the risks of doing, of feeding raw. I, yeah. I agree with that. It shouldn't be a widespread thing. It should be in a, a for a specific, like you said, medical issue. Yeah. Linda, yeah. I, I know you have a whole so laundry list I, of questions. I have my little cheat sheet <laughs> on the side here. <laughs> I do, I do. So what did you focus on putting in the made by nacho food? And what did you focus on not putting in the made by nacho food? So yeah, I mean, I think the two kind of big things that were really important were protein, which we've already talked about, and then water. So cats are descended from wild cats in the desert. They don't have the same thirst drive. They just don't drink enough water. And day to day, I see medical problems from cats being dehydrated. Oh, yeah. And it's not anything to do with what clients are doing wrong. They're just the cats are not drinking. They're not, you know, they don't have the same. A lot of cats basically are walking around 4% dehydrated, like feeling totally fine, not being thirsty. So when we kind of started thinking about this food brand, I was like, I want it to have a huge component of moisture in it and just, you know, and not enough just to say, yes, it's a canned food has this amount of moisture. Like let's add more, like let's think of ways to get cats to drink more water. So that's where kind of Bobby's idea of doing bone broth came into play. And it was a great way to kind of mix two things that we know cats need. They, they do need to drink more water, even though they don't realize they do. And how do we get them to do that? We make it tastier. We add, make sure the moisture content is really high. And those were kind of our big two things and that we wanted every product um, in the line to, to have. Sure. Awesome. And plus it yeah. tastes good. So it makes them want to eat it. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that was another thing we talked about so much. You can make the ingredient list look great. If it's not going to be what a cat eats, it doesn't matter. I mean, I right. uh, once a week I send home a diet for a cat and they call me the next day and they're like, nope, not way, no way, not going to happen. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> yes. I think we need to take a quick break, but okay. we'll be right back as soon as we hear from our wonderful sponsor. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back to 19 Cats and Counting with Dr. Katja, who is the veterinarian that is involved with the Made by Nacho line and also Nacho Flay and Stella Flay's personal veterinarian. Oh, in case you didn't know, those kitties are owned by Chef Bobby Flay. Linda, we're in the middle of going through your questions. Yes. So, okay. So we've determined that it, it was no grain. Now it's no grain is bad. So is it specific grains we're looking for? I mean, like with humans, I need carbs, but I should stay away from the white bread, right? So like, is this, is this a similar, is that a good analogy? Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, one thing we kind of, we definitely like had like yes lists and no lists, like, and from the very beginning, like we basically like wrote like these are meat, maybe in small quantities. And then these were the yes list. And so that's kind of like how we broke down these ingredients. And yeah, I mean, definitely grains were not, the chickpeas were on the the no list. I mean, these like, you know, want a ton of, again, we didn't want it to be a big proportion of the diet. So any sort of like beans and legumes and, you know, again, small amounts of potatoes and sweet potatoes, but it should be a very, very, very small a level. Oh, not nice. <laughs> my sweetie. sweetie. She's two years old and still the size of a kitten. Oh. I just adore her. But anyway, sorry. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we wanted to include some grains, but just at a level where it was nutritious, but not overwhelming, you know, their body because now we've like everyone thinks grains are bad and that's just not true. There's really a lot of things in grains that are really important. I mean, there's calcium and there's B vitamins and there's iron and there's calcium. So there's things in there that we need and, and it adds more fiber, which is really important for cats. So again, some grains are okay, but again, a small amount and not, we don't want it to be the the major part of the diet. We just, if it's going to have greens, a very, very small level. Oh, okay. I'm sure wheat and corn were bad for cats. Is that true? I don't think so. I mean, again, all these things got bad reputation and I don't think so at all. I mean, they, both of those have the things that I just said, you oh, know, okay. they give, yeah, they definitely, you know, ha- add fiber and they add certain vitamins and iron. So I don't, yeah. You just want to keep it in a smaller amount. Yeah, that's good to smaller know. Amount, okay. That's yeah. Nutritional value. Yeah. When I was researching, when I got my first email of my vegan cat, dot, 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 and I was researching, you know, they were saying that we can replace our proteins with beans and legumes, but they do not have high enough protein in them to meet a cat's needs. And they won't be able to digest them to get all of the energy and the protein out of them. So that's why that's not a proper replacement. So, okay. But so adding them in small amounts is going to help in a certain way, but it's all in moderation, I suppose. It's just like us. (laughs) Why does my cat want to steal my muffins in the morning then? I don't know. (laughs) What is she looking for? I know. Carb addict. (laughs) Yeah, that's a Rosie. Rosie likes to Uh do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. My orange good. Girl. Yep. Smelled good. And we decided, <laughs> yep. Rita and I have talked for some time. She mentioned she had a um, cats only pet sitting business in Los Angeles and then in the Charlotte area for what about 17 and a half years. And I worked with her for a few years um, towards the end before we sold it and went to the behavior direction. And I remember the first time someone requested that their cat needed an asthma inhaler. And then they just started coming out of the woodwork and then it was all the time cancers. And, you know, we had to, some sitters do not want to deal with needles. So we had to find these specific sitters that would deal with giving insulin or fluids or, and it just seemed to be going crazy. Yeah. B12 injections got to be big too. Where did that come from? (laughs) 
Well, I mean, we do see a lot of intestinal problems in cats, a lot of inflammatory bowel disease and a lot of you know cancerous processes. And so when they have inflammation in their intestinal tract, they don't absorb their vitamins in the food well. And that's why, and the B12 is so important. So it makes them feel better. It's really, I mean, it does a lot of, you know, important processes in the body. So yeah, B12 is a great thing to, I mean, if their levels are normal, probably make much of a difference. But when their levels are low, I mean, most of my clients within like a week of starting it notice that their appetite is better, energy is better, coat is better. So yeah, it's it's something that I don't know if we were just, we weren't really measuring as much before and now part of a normal intestinal workup. That's that's what I'm wondering too. Like, because early in my pet sitting career, there was hardly any sick And then I don't know if it's because we became one of the only cat sitting companies around and one of the only pet sitting companies that would do insulin sub Q B12. We started seeing it more, but in my own cats too, I'm seeing more uh, cancer and, and more diabetes. So is you it the a, food? You have a bag of sub Q fluids hanging in your laundry room I right do. now. I, I was there two weeks that, ago. <laughs> that, was for, that was for Sunny, but I keep it because I don't know when the cupcake's sick now. We think she might have cancer. Yeah. So I don't know when I might need is, it again, this, but why is, is it so prevalent? Now? Yeah. Is, Sorry, is the food playing a part in it? I guess. Oh, same question. Is the food yeah. playing a part? In it? I know there's a lot of environmental crap and yada, yada, but. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, with diabetes, we know it absolutely plays a role with cystitis, which has 10 different names, but people call it the Pandora's box, feline or urinary tract disease, fluted. Fluted, you know, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we know that is diet related. So, you know, certainly intestinal problems and cats that are overweight. So I think diet is huge and it comes down to, again, the biggest thing is feeding too many carbs and them not drinking enough water. So that comes back to this idea of like, it needs to be high in protein. It needs to have a lot of water. It needs to make sure it has all the nutritional needs, you know, the vitamins and the amino acids that cats can't synthesize on their own. So yeah, I think a lot, a lot of the things we see can be prevented with diet, not all of it. I mean, I think right. we want to blame foods on cancer. I think a lot of that is more genetics. But yeah, I think it all kind of plays plays a role and nutrition is so, 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 so important for you know our, their health. Which is exactly why we need to buy higher quality foods. And I'll oh. tell you, I was one that was trying to look for the best quality food I could find for the cheapest price. But, you know, we got the PR box from Bobby's people with the made by nacho food. Yeah. And so we have two big, we free feed. There's 11 cats in this house. So we've got those big feeders that gravity, you know, knocks them out. So my husband mixed the nacho food with whatever was in there initially. And he comes in and he says, Linda, they're not eating as much. I don't have to fill this. I'm assuming that's because of the higher protein, filling them up and taking longer to digest. But it also rang a bell in my pocketbook of saying, okay, maybe I'm going to pay a little bit more for this money. But if they're going to eat less, it kind of all comes out in the wash, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely kind of worth it to do high quality proteins and, you know, really pay attention to what's, what's in the food. I think it just does make a huge difference. And whenever possible, I think, And it's hard because cats do like dry food, but whenever possible, you know, the way I like to kind of feed cats is yes, they should, their main diet should be canned food because cats that are on canned food are going to get so much, you know, get 50% more water than the cats that are only on dry food. 
Yes. So I think they should have their main diet be canned food or pouches or, you know, yeah. some, um, and then the, and then the dry food can be kind of more treats because cats, we know like to eat small meals throughout the day. I mean, cats probably eat 15, 20 meals a day as outdoor wild animals. And so kind of doing small amounts of the dry food kind of throughout the day, I think is good, but more as like a, a treat and really not like the main, yeah, not their main diet. Yeah. That's difficult yes. with 19 cats to do. I would say it's nearly, with 19 cats, it would be impossible, but yeah, uh, yeah. they do get, they get wet food twice a day. Yours yeah, too. too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you can do a mix, that's great. I just, you know, yeah. I definitely think that having some mix is really, really important. We, you answered a question I was going to ask was, we have so many clients that feed just dry food and that's really not healthy. Yeah. You know, it's not, I get, I mean, I get it. It's convenient. And, you know, for some lifestyles, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And then I also have cats that won't eat canned food. So that goes to that problem. I mean, I think it's important when they're kittens, we have to expose them to it because otherwise some cats, no matter what you do are not, you know, they're just like, yeah. yeah. Kobe wouldn't, Kobe wouldn't eat wet food and he died at five. So there you go. Yeah. Well, I know UTIs and we experienced a lot of this with pet sitting sitters that would leave one day and come back the next day and the cat's hiding behind the toilet and we're rushing them to the vet because main mantra, cats hide signs of illnesses. And yeah, so I really push, uh, you know, getting that hydration in is, is what you're going to need because it may happen so fast you might miss it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I always do the wet food. We had a, a vet on a, uh, who's also a behaviorist some time ago, and she was talking about taking like a Dr. couple Foot. tablespoons of food. Yeah, taking a couple of tablespoons of food and hiding it in various places so they can hunt it and get it. And it's such a great idea, but have a not with nineteen. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine myself putting two tablespoons eleven different places three times a day or something. Right? Like <laughs> then remembering where you put it so it doesn't start <laughs> smelling up the house. How does that smell? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so free feeding as a rule is probably not the best idea, but yeah. there are times. <laughs> well, there's, there's feeders with timers you could use too. Yeah, like microchip, like if you have a lot of cats and I mean, if they're microchip, there's feeders now where they, you know, they right. feed it the microchip and they know how much to, of the you know, if that cat is not eaten yet. So there's, I mean, technology is helping a, a little bit and there's so yes. many different toys where you can put some food in and they get, have to get it out. And yeah. Yeah. I love those. I always recommend those for overweight cats, but I think my Gigi, she's really overweight. I think she needs a chip so that the bowl will close when she comes <laughs> near it. <laughs> Do they have those? <laughs> they need those. She's a, and this is a problem. We all know that obesity is a big thing. And, and, you know, I was visiting Rita a couple of weeks ago and Gigi came waddling out and I just about fell off my chair because she was heavy before. She yeah. looks like a manatee. I named her manatee. Yeah, I, re I renamed her cat manatee. It was so bad. And she said, here I am. I'm a behaviorist. I know all this stuff. And I've got this incredibly obese cat. But she's got 19 cats, you know, know. And even my vet are... said, there's nothing I can do if I, you know, with that many cats, there's really nothing I can do. Maybe I'll put so, the hard food all upstairs so she can't get up there. Or she has to go up, to go up the stairs and she burns some calories. Yeah, so she wants it bad enough. She's going upstairs. She's, she's no, you know, she's not going to play with you. She's not, she's no, no inclination, but to she's lay alone. there. <laughs> she's, she's alone. God I tried her. when I do the laser pointer or do the, you know, the, the bird or whatever. She doesn't chase it. She watches everybody else. 
if it comes near her, she'll bat at it, but I have to bring it to her. Yeah. <laughs> you have to deliver it to her. She's, she's only five, Linda. That's what scares me. Oh, I know. I know. When she came waddling out, I was just, was falling off the couch. Like, what? I hadn't even been a year since I'd been there. <laughs> I feel bad, but I don't really know what to do about it. Maybe switching all, everybody over to 100% made by Nacho will help. That would, that, yeah. I think that would help. Yeah, the high quality food and yeah. Somebody so. once asked me, why is there no mouse flavored cat food? <laughs> it's actually a genius idea. We should talk to Bobby. And I know, right? <laughs> I don't know why anyone, no one thought of that. Probably for the very reason that you said, if it grosses people out, they're not going to get it. I'm not picking up no mouse flavored cat food. Someone would be like, yeah, I mean. Well, I don't know. I feed my cats duck and that grosses me out. Yeah, so. I'm sorry. If the number one ingredient is a mouse, get out of my house. <laughs> Like, no, not happening. It would, it would help control the mouse population, you know. Right. right? They're like, they eat us in there. <laughs> so let's talk the pandemic. I mean, oh, right. I, I feel so badly for my vet. Like, I didn't even want to bother them with it, making an appointment, but I had to because, you know, they're running out to the car and taking the cat in, and then they're coming back out and telling us what's going on and going back yeah. in. And you sign this, pay this, okay, deliver your cat. Those poor people probably, they are the only ones that people in vets' offices, they're the only ones that did not gain weight during COVID because they're right? running themselves crazy. Let's <laughs> yeah. So what have we learned from the pandemic? How did this affect you? And is there anything that you've learned that you're going to continue going forward in your practice that, that Good question. you should know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think people started noticing things that were wrong with their cats that they didn't mm -hmm. know before because they weren't home as nearly as much. They weren't paying attention because yep. they had things to do. And so like I had people calling me being like, oh, my my cat coughs. And then they're like, I, you know what I mean? And, or my cat, I didn't realize, you know, he went in uh, the litter box where he was doing this. And, and so we know cats hide their clinical signs. And when they're sick, they usually, we don't know it until they're very sick. We don't, you know, and it's not our fault, but they're kind of programmed to hide those things. And so I think when we were home and we were with them, we noticed more things and we do need to be a little bit more kind of diligent looking at these, you know, at these signs that how much, you know, how much water is my cat drinking? Are they drinking a little bit more? My cat normally vomits once a month. And now, so these subtle things about their behavior and them hiding and what they're jumping up on and how they're using the litter box and all these things that we weren't really paying attention to before. Cause a lot of times they're like, my cat's so self-sufficient. They seem great. If we really pay attention, we can catch these subtle things and medicine it's so much easier to treat something early on in the disease process versus when it's end stage and there's not as much that can be done. So I think we've learned a lot about kind of our cat's normal behaviors because we're what they were, we were watching him right. and you know, we have to pay attention. We have yeah. people calling us saying, why does my cat sleep so much? Well, oh, he's a cat. Hello. He always did that. <laughs> always yes. did that. <laughs> That's my go-to answer. People ask a lot, how can I tell if my cat is ill? And I always say, you know, if your cat is behaving abnormally, now, if your cat is hiding, some cats hide. But if your cat was normally on the couch with you snuggling and now your cat's hiding, ding, ding, ding. Well, if your cat, and vice versa. Too. And vice versa. Yes. Yeah. So if your cat was normally active and it's not, if it wasn't and it is, if, you know, if it normally scarf down its food and now it's not if it normally yeah. didn't scarf down its food and now it is any change in behavior is that correct 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's really well said. This is what's normal. And now my cat's not doing it. It's not because they like have all of a sudden changed their mind and they don't want to be social with you. There's probably something wrong. And yeah, I think we just realized how important these subtle things were and that we do. Yeah. yeah. There's been more than once though, when I've, I've known something's wrong with my cat and I can't sell you I just know their behavior is different. I can't say why. I just know something's wrong. And, you know, more than once there was. Yeah. So you just really have to know your cats and their typical behaviors. And if you've got an inkling something's not right, trust your gut and go to the vet. You, know, you might be relieved find nothing's wrong, or you might catch something really early on that you may not have caught enough, soon enough to cure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and find a vet that listens to you. I mean, yeah. this is a lesson to me as a parent of humans that I found, you know, you know your cats, you know your children. I'm sorry, my cats. I love my cats and my human children now in the same bucket. I'm not sure if my human children They're appreciate my kids it, too. but it is what it I is. Exactly, kids, so. exactly. So in my human children, you know, I just, I know them. And if something didn't seem right, and if the MD that I went to wouldn't listen to me or was like, no, I don't see anything you go find someone else. So I, I say the same thing I think goes to your cat. You know your cat better than anybody else does. And if you feel like something's wrong, you need to get it checked. Yeah. Yeah. So Is that on your bed? Is that Subra? That's Subra. She's, my, not, she's a chunky monkey too, honey. She's a chunky monkey. She's my <laughs> Velcro cat. She's so up in my grill all the time. So yeah, she's probably upset because I often sit there and work from bed so that she can lay on me. And yeah, <laughs> she's not happy when I'm not there. <laughs> Where'd she go? <laughs> so, yeah, she's she's the one that's attached to me at all times. Uh, I would love to talk more about where um, are we running out of time? Is there anything, Dr. Kacha, that we haven't said that you would like to make sure pet owners, cat owners specifically know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've talked about really a lot of important things. And, and I think diet is so important to, you know, to be aware of. I guess we really can't just kind of treat our cats like the self-sufficient animals that we think they are. I think not only, I mean, diet plays a huge role in this, but anything we can do to make their environment more like an outdoor environment can be really, really helpful for their mental health and kind of playing with them and making sure all of their needs are met. And we did a really great kind of blog on this through, if you go to Made by Nacho and you look at their blog, we did a great kind of post about, you know, how we can make sure our cat, you know, how to make sure your cat is happy. And it's not just about feeding your cat. It's not about just about making sure, you know, is, you know, the litter box is clean. They really have a lot of needs and maybe because they don't do all of the same things as another animal and they're not as in your face, that doesn't mean they don't have the same needs. So I think for cats, that's just so important to remember. So true. That is awesome. Yeah. So the blogs are on madebynacho.com and more information about the food is on madebynacho.com. All right. And you have a veterinary practice in New York City, correct? I do. Yeah. I work at Heart of Chelsea. You can, um, I have an Instagram, Dr. Kibble, like my initials are KBL. That's great. Dr. Kibble. We got to follow. So follow you on Instagram. If you're in the New York area and you want to get a little piece of where the celebrities go, you know, (laughs) Dr. Katja. We would love to have you back on. There are so many questions that we have about uh, cat health and uh, specific diseases like Pan Luke, one of my rescue friends is dealing with. We'd love to have you back on um, to pick your brain or anything you, you know, that's coming up 
in your practice or with Made by Nacho you want to talk yes. about or, you know, just anything to do with cat health in general. We would love to have you back on. Yes, yeah, please. A lot of exciting things. It was so nice to meet you both. This was so fun. It was great it was to meet you too. It was fun. And we really do hope you'll come back. You say the word and we gotcha. We'll yeah. put you if on. We, if we ever make it to New York, we will drop by your practice and meet Definitely. you in person. Just show that. up. Show All up. All right. <laughs> we will. We will. We're going on a pizza tour. I understand I've never actually had pizza unless I've been to New York. York, so we got to, you know, we'll, well, we'll make it. Uh, I'm from Buffalo, New York. I'm a little partial to Buffalo, New York pizza, but New York City pizza is also very good. But New York City people will tell you the Buffalo pizza stinks. So, you know, it's all where <laughs> it's you're one of from. those rivals. Yeah. I, yes. I can tell you that pizza in the Carolinas uh, sucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were raised on the real deal. If you don't know any better, you don't know any better. You got that uh, true. You got thank that you right. so much, Dr. Katja. We really appreciate you. Thank you both for being, Linda, always my sparkling co-host. She adds my the pleasure. zest to our show. Dr. Katja. My, my headphones. So looking forward to, uh, <laughs> we'll let you know as soon as this is live. And I'd uh, love to have you back. But of course, yes. I always have to thank our awesome producer, Mark Winter, who gave us the spot on Pet Life Radio and gave us this chance to reach out to all the cat lovers of the world. And, and meet all these interesting people. Yeah, I mean, in what world would we be talking to Dr. Katja here and getting all this information? I we know. have the coolest jobs in the world. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. So uh, what do we always say at the end of every broadcast, Linda? Every, every day, day is Catter Day. <laughs> See you next time, everyone. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.